Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Warning, this podcast contains conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime cases. The nature of these cases may be gory, unsettling, or vulgar. Please be advised. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan, and this is episode... 34. 34, and... Taylor's on her A game today. Yeah, I'm back, no bitches. More, no more sick shit. No, no more sick, sad baby. And we are ready to give you guys some content. And some I've had like three coffees and a few ninchas. Yeah, I said, <laughs> I said, I'm like, I'm on my way. Are you, are you guys home? Because they went on a walk, her and Nikki. And she's like, oh, we're at Starbucks. I'm like, it's eight o'clock at night. They're, they're sitting here drinking coffees. I was crashing. You do what you got to do. Yeah, I got to get it done, all right? So I'm drinking a um, tall iced caramel macchiato. And I'm drinking a red Solo cup filled with H2O. (laughs) Mm. I was like, ooh, we're twisting it up here. And Nikki, what are you drinking? I was drinking a funnel cake frappuccino. Strawberry? Strawberry funnel cake. cake. It It tastes like a Mm Pop-Tart. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. It was just side for me, dog. That's a good score. Yeah. Nice going. Uh, you know what my favorite frappuccino was growing up whenever? Strawberry and cream. Yes. Mine when, too. When we first got a Starbucks in Cleveland. Every day. Oh my God. I was like, please. And like, no, it's overpriced. We're not going there. Yes, if you want same. coffee, we can make it at home. You don't need coffee. I didn't even like kid. coffee. I was just yeah. like, it's better than a milkshake. It's better than a slushie. Give so me the good. strawberry and cream frappuccino. And, and then the vanilla bean, whenever they like did the whole marketing thing for that. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And the mocha uh, Java chip. Oh, that yeah. one was bomb. But you would have literally dark chocolate chips in your teeth for like two and a half weeks. The kid that. I watch, he likes, it's new. It, he likes the... um uh caramel crunch ribbon caramel ribbon crunch frappuccino i have not even heard of that one that sounds like logan's ish yeah that sounds Sounds good good. we'll have to try it we'll have to try it maybe next step guys maybe next step yeah what did you do this weekend morgan what did i do this weekend uh nothing what did i do nothing i don't remember yeah i didn't do anything we weren't together Yeah. yeah i just hung out with my little baby boy, Ollie, he's getting so, so big. He is getting really big. Oh, so we asshole. were on the phone the other night and there's a dog barking. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, that cannot be 
Ollie's bark. That's a grown man's <laughs> bark. It's a grown dog's bark. It She's was, like, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it, this German Shepherd moved in next door, and he like stalks Ollie from his balcony. So anytime <laughs> I let Ollie out, he's like, woo, 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 woo. And Ollie's hair gets all stood up, and he runs back in. He's scared. <laughs> he can't even take he a can't, shit. Well, he can't even see where it's coming from. So he's like looking all around him because he won't look up. And I tried to like pick him up and show him like he's right there, but he he wasn't looking up. So. He's not paying attention. What'd you guys do? Well, I know what you did, but well, what, tell them what you did, guys. I Nikki and I went and got um lip filler and botox and it was the best day of my whole life honestly it's my favorite time you know favorite time of the year <laughs> every six Comes months in clutch <laughs> and i'm getting my hair done tomorrow oh, i'm jealous <laughs> i'm fucking jealous i am so excited maddie if you're listening to this i'm gonna have to betray you soon because <laughs> i can't to. wait any longer no and i can't get home right now so i'm really sorry if you are hearing this. I know she's hearing it. And she's texting you right now. Maddie, blow her shit up. Or or tell us who you would allow her to see Stock here. some Instagrams here, yeah, please. Yeah, do that and let her know and then let me know. <laughs> yeah, and then let everyone know who we trust. And then I, yeah, I can't wait any longer. My hair yeah. is bad. I haven't gotten it done since... It's been a minute. Last July, before your wedding. That was the last time you got it done? No yes. way, Morgan. Yes, it was. Yes, More it was. Than. You had to have gotten it done before, I didn't. You, before you moved down No, I here. didn't. Because the salons weren't open. Uh, okay, that makes sense. Right, COVID. So really, though, like I haven't, and it sucks. So I'm jealous. Yeah. You're gonna Who's your girl? What's her name? Morgan, Morgan Gilman. Gilman. Oh, my God. My Knoxville ladies. I love her. I love, yeah, love, love her. her. She does amazing with my hair, but I actually haven't been with her in a minute because I had to go back home to my girl in Cleveland. Her name's Skyla Andrews for everybody in Cleveland, and she is also amazing, but I just can't make that hour and a half drive mm-hmm. every time I want to get my hair done. Um, but that is my Cleveland girl. She's my Knoxville girl. Both of them are amazing, but I, you know how I cut my bangs. Y'all remember that tragic story, right? right. And... Skyla was able to make a rebound, recover my hair. It was amazing. Well, now it's kind of grown out, the bangs have, and I don't know what to do with them. And I have like three weddings in a row. So that, you gotta figure something out. Yeah, something has to happen here. So I don't know if when I'm coloring it, I don't know. I'm just gonna kind of go in and be like, go with your gut and make me like trendy and fun and cool. <laughs> and maybe a little darker. I don't know. No! But guys, we're going to be more fun next week. We'll drink again next week. It's been a little busy. Yes. We've taken a little break just because we've been I will be dying. off the rocker next week. Count yeah. on that. Yeah. We're, we're back, bitches. We're going to be getting hammered for episode 35. Y'all get fucking ready. Ooh, ooh, Pack your ooh. shit up. Fill those glasses up. AKA shot glasses, because we're going to do a shot game and then all through it. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Every time Taylor says, um, <laughs> yeah. y'all would be gonzo. A gonzo. All right. All right. Oh, follow us on everything. Oh, you guys yeah. know the deal. Instagram, Creeps and Crimes. What is our Instagram? Creeps and Crimes Podcast. Creeps and Crimes Podcast. Podcast. Hello. Twitter, <laughs> Creeps underscore Crimes, and TikTok, Creeps and Crimes. Yes. Your personal? Creepy. Oh, my personal is morg.mwg. Mine is Taylor J with an A. Go ahead. Feel free to hype up our accounts. Yeah, just go ahead. We love that shit. Yeah. Send in creepy accounts because we have a little surprise coming for you, hopefully, by the end of the month. Yeah. Um. And we actually have a few that are dope as hell. Yeah. So send some in. 
because we're about to have one coming up soon and we need uh, just a few more. I know we keep saying that, but it's because they're so good. We can't just put them on a two second episode. You right. know, like yeah, they, we can't they deserve put up a 15 minute. Episode. Right. They deserve way more than that. All right. All right. Hit them with it. If you are driving, throw that shit on cruise control. If you got a glass, pour that shit up. And let's get creepy. Voice crack. Are you going through puberty, ma'am? Yeah, you know I always am. Every, every time I gotta get it high, I can never do it, okay? <laughs> Sorry for all my deep voice ladies. Sorry out here. that I am a professional singer. Yeah, you have some vocal range, bitch. And I I am an opera singer, so you are. try me. Yeah, she she sang. I don't know if you guys <laughs> Something like that. She was in the at the Sydney Opera House. She performed yeah. there about three months ago. Yeah, and I also am at the one in Nashville too, yeah. Grand Old Opry. Yeah. Every now and then, um, you know, come and go. Just whenever I can make time in my schedule, because they really want me a lot. Yeah, it's really busy. But she's got a different stage name, so if you want to know, just DM us not, about it. Yeah, you guys wouldn't even recognize. That's really me. different. It's Mochella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today? Okay, so today I am getting evil. So, like, maybe don't throw that shit on cruise control. You might want to slam on your brakes. Maybe don't pour up that glass of wine because, like, this is, like, evil, evil shit. And I don't think that I've really dug into this on the paranormal side yet. Like, we talk about, like, spirits here and there, but, like, no, this is, like, nasty. Is this, like, my BEKs? Yes. But, like, darker? E, no, BK is scarier, but like this is, I'm going to give you guys a trigger warning. Um, the majority of this story is about demonic possessions and exorcisms. And if this is not something that you're comfortable with listening to, go ahead and jump 25 minutes or so. Yeah. Um, my story. You don't yeah. want to miss that shit. Yeah. My sources are IndieStar.com and Wikipedia.org. Two quick sources. Bam, bam, bam. Great sources at that. Yeah, they are. So I'm sure that most of you have heard this story because... It took social media by storm, and it's recent. Oh, my God, what is So it? the story I'm telling is mostly from the mother and the grandmother's perspective, and this is the story about the Ammons family. Do you know what this is? Okay, I'm, like, visualizing. Like, I feel like I've seen posts about this. You'll know. Okay. You'll know. I'll know it, because I feel like me and you maybe had followed it together. I, I think so. Okay. Because it, it happened in, like, 2011, 2012, but it, like – Blew up in like 2018, which right. would have been in school, 2016, 2018. And we were best friends. And yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. So straight into the story, it dives into some creepy shit. So we're just going to jump back 10 years ago. And our story takes place in Gary, Indiana. All right. The Ammons family house currently, it was a rental property, is but it's currently known as the Demon House. Great. And it sat at 3860 Carolina Street, Gary, Indiana. The Ammons family, they were a Christian family, and they included the mother, LaToya Ammons, her mother, Rosa Campbell, and LaToya's three children, then ages 7, 9, and 12. And they moved into this rental property in November of 2011. So throughout the story, um, her kids' names were never released. I'm sure with today's day and age, you could find it. But because in the main articles, they didn't really say, I didn't want to release her name. So we just know they're seven, nine, and 12. Two boys, one girl. The girl's 12. So Carolina Street was a very quiet neighborhood filled with small one-story homes. Three bedrooms, two baths. Like, very small, quaint little town. Um, Within a month of moving, 
Excessively large black flies suddenly infested their screened-in porch. This was their first sign that something was not right here. Shut Keep up. in mind, this is the heart of winter in the Northeast or the Midwest. No. So Indiana has brutal winters, low temperatures, and a shit ton of snow. So a fly infestation at this time of year is like extremely unusual and raises some red flags. Right. After the flies, um, the family started hearing and seeing some strange phenomena. Almost every night around midnight, both Latoya and her mother would hear a steady clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs. So I said there was a one-story home, but there's still a basement. The door at the top of the basement stairs entered into the kitchen. And once the sound of the footsteps got closer and closer to the main floor, a.k.a. the kitchen, the door into the kitchen would creak open and nobody was there. Shut the fuck up. Nobody was there. So LaToya and her mother would look at each other and like, what the fuck? And then they would go and they'd lock the door. But that never stopped whatever was coming up the stairs because the noise of those footsteps in the creek would still continue throughout the night. Shut up. This went on for about four months. During this time, Grandma Rosa woke up to noises in the living room. Once she woke up, she saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing outside of her door. Mm. Once out of bed, this, <laughs> she jumped up immediately. What the fuck? Who's in my house? Um, once out of bed, the figure disappeared, and she looked down to see large, wet boot prints. <laughs> and this, this carries on into later on when the police are there. Large, wet boot prints. So the family dealt with this living situation thinking, okay, whatever's going on, couldn't be more, become anything more than just a couple ghosts living with them. Like how many people do you hear like, oh, my house is haunted and they just right. live with it. They live with it for 25, 30 exactly. years. This is a rental property. You're leased in for whatever, six months, 12 months. Right. Like you'll get through it. There's, there's no way it could be a, a demon house. Right. Right. Well, they were wrong. A death of a loved one in March of 2012 brought a group of friends over to the house to mourn with the family. And this is when things took a turn for the worse. It was around 2 a.m. And while any other night they would have been sleeping, the adults were all shook up, you know, just talking about their, their loss and awake, just chatting around the table. Right. So you guys know, like, when people are staying with you, you know, you might sleep with your sister to open your bedroom or right. your parents, like, everyone joined, you know, to accommodate You guests. just move around. Yeah. So this night, LaToya was rooming with her mother, a.k.a. Rosa, in Rosa's room, and her 12-year-old daughter was staying with one of the family friend's kids in LaToya's room. Okay. So the room situation was all mixed up. They weren't their usual rooms. Anyway, LaToya had to go to her room for something or to check on her 12-year-old daughter. It wasn't clear, and her friend... And once walking in, she startled everyone by screaming for Rosa, the grandmother. She was screaming, mom, mom, exclamation points, like terrified moms. I'm not good at like reenacting. The red ones you from know, the emojis. You know, like I'm not good at reenacting like quotations or whatever. So I'm, I'm going to just spell it out for you guys. Um, Grandma Rosa ran into LaToya's bedroom to find her 12-year-old granddaughter unconscious and levitating above the bed. No. No, so burn the house down. At this time, the family friends then all run in, absolutely terrified, and they all start praying. They didn't know what else to do. They just oh started God. praying. Her granddaughter slowly descended onto oh. the bed, and once came to, had no memory of what had just happened. That morning, the family friends left and refused to ever go to the house again, and yeah. honestly, it cut a lot of ties with LaToya and her kids and her mother. Like, they hardly speak to that family anymore, because they're fucking traumatized, so... This shit is, like, straight out of a movie. Like, this is, like, your typical, like, what a paranormal or exorcism movie looks yes. like. And 
it causes a lot of skepticism to this woman's story of saying like she's just talking about this or she's making this all up to get media attention and whatnot. But like you guys will see more at the end. A lot of people get involved, like a lot of like government officials, not gov- yeah, government officials like DCS and the police and doctors. And like there's many witnesses to their story that there's no way this could be made up. And while it is straight out of a movie, where did they get that stuff to put in the movie? You know, like those are based on exactly. real, true stories. It's just no one's ever seen it. Right. And it's, like and all it's usually like 1950s right. like, or whatever. All those people witnessed it happening, too, literally were so scared that they didn't talk to the family again. And like, what? Right. Right. Exactly. So after this encounter, Rosa said to her daughter, Latoya, like, we need help. We have got to talk to somebody who knows how to deal with this. Right. And they weren't sure what it was, but they knew it was something supernatural. So they did. Latoya and her mother went to church after church, but most churches refused to get involved. She remembers one church saying, oh, this isn't the first time we've heard about the house on Carolina Street. Oh, but nobody told us. Nobody told us. This church then recommended that she cleanse the home with or clean the home with bleach and ammonia and then use oil to draw crosses on every door and window. So Latoya did. I know. Yeah. Not usual things that you hear, but it's a church. So, what you know, like burn sage like that's no, but like, hey, church. Come in. Yeah, come, come help us. Come here. Send a priest. I came here for right. you. Come to me, please. Exactly. So she so they she did. They decided to reach out. After this, they decided to reach out to two clairvoyant psychic mediums. Yeah. These clairvoyants said that their home was besieged with over 200 demon entities. It's a portal. <gasps> so this Shut up. This made a lot of sense to Latoya and Rosa because it meshed hard with their Christian faith. Like whatever these mediums were saying to them, they were like, this makes sense. Like this is everything that we thought it was, basically. Right. So the medium suggested that moving out of the house was the best thing that they could do to protect their family, but this wasn't an option. They oh were God. tight financially and they could not afford to break their lease or to start a new one. So instead, the medium suggested creating an altar. Okay. The next day, LaToya made an altar in the basement by placing a white sheet on a table, a white candle in the middle, and a statue with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on it. Okay. She placed the Bible on the table and had it open to Psalm 91. They went through the house. Um, They burnt sage and sulfur throughout the house, starting upstairs and moving down. Excuse me. LaToya recalls the smoke being so thick that they could hardly breathe. Oh my god. From cleansing the house. Oh my god. That sage was like, "Oh my god, man, I didn't sign up for this shit." Exactly. <laughs> this sage is like, "Oh fuck. I'm, I'm fake. I'm fake. I'm not even made. I'm not did even a real just, sage." Did we just hot box this? Yeah. So, while saging the medium she was cleansing with, read Psalm 91 out loud. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalls in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys midday. So, that's Psalm 91, if you guys don't know. Um, Which is kind of interesting because the whole plague thing, I kind of connect that back to the flies. The very original first red flag that they saw. So after this, the family thought it was over. They, you know, they felt good. There was nothing happening in the house until three days later. So they had three peaceful relief days and then it got really bad. And this is when DCS or the Department of Child Services, doctors and police became involved with this family. 
The entire family, except Grandma Rosa, became possessed <gasps> in, in retrospect. Oh, my God. The kids, age 7, 9, and 12, would periodically have bulged eyes. No. Evil smirks. And every time this happened with their facial features, their voices deepened almost to like an unnatural sounding voice. Not even like a grown man. Like it was unnatural. And I'm just going to kind of read through some of the events that had taken place that pushed a family to receive this medical help. Okay. The youngest boy, the seven-year-old, was repeatedly found sitting in his closet talking to nothing. When asked what he's doing, he would reply, I'm talking to a little boy, and that little boy is telling me what it feels like to be killed. (gasps) No. Rosa said her seven-year-old grandson flew out of the bathroom one night as if he had been thrown. Flew. Oh, my God. The nine-year-old son was smacked by a headboard and had to receive stitches. No one was in the room with him. A headboard. A a headboard. How does that even detach from the bed? How does that happen? It picked up and flew across the room. Yes, and he had to receive stitches. First off, those are heavy as hell. Right. The 12-year-old girl who was first caught levitating said that she told her parents or her mother and her grandmother that she heard voices telling her she'd never see her family again and that she would not live another 20 minutes. And saying shit like this kept happening so bad that they decided to stay in a hotel some nights. They were desperate. They needed help and they wanted out. So they go to their family physician, Dr. Jeffrey... Oh, Dr. O, we're going to call him. I'm going to spell his last name, O-N-Y-E-U-K-W-U. Oh, my God. So Dr. O, family went and saw him on April 19th, and LaToya told him what was going on. The doctor said that he had never heard anything like this in his 20 years of work. While there, one of her sons cursed the doctor in demonic voices, (gasps) and the other son was lifted and thrown into the wall with nobody touching him. Shut up. No. There, there's cool. there at this point there's medical professionals in this room with them. And probably CPS. Is it CPS? Not that not yet. Oh, okay. They're they, still they not, do, yep, not yet. So that this is what leads to that. Got right, it. Right. They're just at like your general doctor, your physician. Like right. they're just like getting a routine checkup, the whole family. And they're getting cussed out by this little demon kid. And the other brother gets thrown into the wall. That is crazy. picked up and thrown into the wall. So then that is insane. I don't mean right? to laugh. That's no, just I know. so it's, like it's outrageous. Like so insane. So yeah. after this both boys passed out. Um <sighs> this entire story right here, like we said, it's outrageous, but it was backed up by the doctor and he will he has he's written in articles like saying what happened and other medical staff. And this is when DCS gets involved. Okay, got Mostly it. everything here on out is documented with evidence. To be specific, the family has a 600-page case file <gasps> on them. Oh, my God. I can't even read that long of a book. Right. So once this whole scene broke out with the boys in the doctor's office, somebody called 911, and both sons were taken to the hospital. Once These arrived, both boys woke up. The oldest son, remember, he was nine. He was calm, but the youngest boy was l- losing his mind. Oh, my God. It took five men to hold him down and sedate him. At this point, the hospital calls DCS, assuming that LaToya had a mental illness and the children were performing for her because she was encouraging their behavior. They're like, something's wrong with this mother. She's telling us these boys are possessed, but like she, no, she's the crazy no, one. no. So LaToya was then evaluated by a hospital psychiatrist and who then determined, you know, no, this woman's of sound mind. She's normal. She's right. a good mother. So the family was then interviewed by DCS case manager, 
Valerie Washington. Okay. While interviewing the mother, so they didn't separate them. The whole entire family is in this room. While interviewing the mother, her seven-year-old son started growling at the caseworker, showing his teeth, and then his eyes rolled into the back of his (gasps) head. Oh, my God. He then locked his hands around his older brother's throat, the nine-year-old, and refused to let go until the medical staff had came and pried his hands open. So he's sitting there choking this kid, his brother, oh in front God. of DCS. So I know, this, this story is insane. So this is crazy. That night, still at the hospital, the DCS caseworker and a registered nurse decided, let's separate the boys. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. So they brought the two boys. No, no, no. They didn't separate the boys. They separated the boys from the family. They kept them together. They brought the two boys into a small room to to be interviewed um, separately away from their mother. But because they were young enough, the grandmother was able to come in with them. Okay. So during this interview, it's Nona, right? Yeah. There's tapping on the wall. We don't we don't fuck with that whenever yeah. this kind of shit's going on. It, We're the, reading this story. The cat's tree, like their little lounging tree, is right on the other side of this wall. So when my fat ass cat's trying to get on there, it just oh, like so bangs me into the wall. Yeah. No, I'm gonna fuck her up. <laughs> We're so, like uh, we all looked at each other like <gasps> I know. Are, are they here? <laughs> Did they hear us talking about freaking that? out? So at this point in the story, just to remind everyone, because this is when it gets insane. Okay, I'm ready. The two boys are in separated, separated, and they're in an interview with DCS caseworker and a registered nurse and their grandmother. Um, during this time, the youngest boy, the seven-year-old, stared into his brother's eyes and with a deep, grown man voice said, it is time to die and I will kill you. Into his nine-year-old brother's side. So so I'm at this point thinking, like, these are, like, two demons that, like, hate each other or something. Yes. That are, like, like two spirits that have possessed these boys that are, like, they right. fuck with each other. Exactly. And this is where it gets insane. Oh, no. While the seven-year-old is saying this, the nine-year-old starts headbutting his grandmother in the stomach. What? She grabs his hands and starts praying. And according to the DCS report, the nine-year-old boy stopped headbutting during the prayer had a or developed a weird grin on his face, started to walk backward up a wall to the ceiling, flipped over and landed on his feet all while holding his grandmother's hand. Yeah. I can't even. I have chills everywhere. <laughs> like the, in the report, the nurse says he walked up the wall, flipped over her and stood there. There's no way he could have done that. So now the police are here. He literally walked up a wall, folks. Right. So now the police are here. DCS is like, fuck <laughs> this. Hospital staff's like, no, no, no. Gary Police Department. Not doing this shit. The police asked the nurse, like, okay, or, I mean, did you really see that? Or did this boy, like, is he like a gymnast? And he just ran up the wall and did a backflip. He's not And a the gymnast. nurse said, no, he glided backward onto the floor up the wall, and across the ceiling by his feet. So the DCS caseworker told police her and the nurse both ran out of the room after that point, and they don't know what happened afterwards. Yeah, I would have loved to. So boys both passed out again. It's very common. After like they're getting possessed, they're passing out, and then they wake up, and they don't remember a single thing that happened to them at all that day. Because remember, that day was the doctor's office, into the hospital, into all of these interviews. Very eventful day for the family. Right. 
this is when DCS took the children. So now they're out of the mother's custody. This that doesn't make any sense to me. Exactly. It's all very fucked up because they're yeah. under the impression that which which doesn't make sense to me because the caseworker, I mean, I guess though it, maybe it does because the caseworker has never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And you know, like maybe taking them away will get them out of that house. Right, maybe that they're, like, having, like, this type of behavior because of the way that they've been treated. Right. Which you really never know. You can't just look at a parent and think that they're, you know, right. whatever. So, at this point in the story comes in Reverend Michael M. Not even going to try the last Sorry, name. Sorry, Marley. Sorry, Marley. Who received a call from the hospital chaplain. Oh, they're like, no. The hospital chaplain calls this reverend and says, I need you to perform an exor- exorcism on a nine-year-old boy. Right now. Like, Stat. right now. And the reverend, he had never been asked to do anything of this nature. So he agreed. He wanted to help the family. And he agreed to interview the family a few days later. So anytime from this point on, anytime they were met at the house, DCS was there with the children. They were never alone with their mother again. So the reverend met them at their house, and for two hours, the mother and grandmother told him the story from the beginning. During the interview, lights were flickering, curtains were swinging with no air current, and the reverend saw wet boot prints walking across the living room. No sound, just like you just see puddle, 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 puddle. The silence that you hear from me is my mouth on the floor. Right. Exactly. This is like terrifying. This is not okay. During the interview, Latoya like lost it and she was like, I have a headache. Like, I want this to be over. Can can you leave? Are we done here? Like, I just, I want to break. This has been like three days nonstop of this kind of thing. I mean, it's been months, but really the intense part of it has been the last three days. Yeah, they've all been possessed. So the Reverend walks over to her and places a crucifix on her head because she said she has a headache. Right. Latoya passes out onto the floor and starts starts convulsing. Oh, my God. Right. And the police are here. Like, this isn't just, like, this family telling the story. Like, no, the police and DCS are here in this house documenting all of this. Four hours go by, and after praying, reading the Bible, and sprinkling holy water, he tells Latoya and Rosa to leave because it wasn't safe. So the kids are off with DCS, and Latoya and Rosa go and move in with a relative. DCS and Gary Police Department then call Latoya and Rosa back to the house for a condition check of her home. This is just a couple days later after they move in. So they're, everyone's telling them to get out of the house, and then the police are like, need you to come back, sweeties. Like, were y'all not there? Did you not see that? I passed out when a crucifix was on my face. Like a condition check? Like, fuck off. Yeah, like, you (laughs) saw the condition. There's demons everywhere. You told me to move out. I'm gone. (laughs) Exactly. So while interviewing the two, um, whispers, this is with just the police um, and DCS, whispers were caught on the recordings as well as electronics malfunctioning. One officer went around the house taking photos and numerous showed cloud white fa- cloudy white faces in the corners of these photos. Um, while in the basement, their flashlights kept shutting off. Batteries on every device that they had were gonzo. Um, one other photo showed strange silhouettes. These photos were taken with an iPhone. Um, the cloudy white faces were taken with a camera. The police and DCS were like, fuck this dude, we're out. One officer who was skeptical and joined the home check out of curiosity. He didn't need to be there, but he was curious and 
He said that this experience of just this two-hour interview confirmed that ghost spirits and demons are, in fact, the probable cause of this house, of this family. Oh, thank you. Thank you for finally coming to that. Right. So where are the kids right now? DCS sent the oldest child and so the daughter and the oldest brother to St. Joseph's Carmelite home in East Chicago. Okay. And the youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatville for a psychiatric evaluation. The doctor completed the psyche valve saying that the youngest son did not suffer from a psychotic disorder. The youngest one. The one that's like crazy. The one well, the, the wall flip? No, that was the nine-year-old. Oh, okay. This is the one that was growling with his teeth. Yes. Okay. So the nine-year-old was like the craziest one, but like the youngest one freaks me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, the other children were then also evaluated. And the 13-year-old daughter said that, told her psychiatrist that it would just, every time she was in the house, it would feel like she was being choked and held down most of the time. And she would go to sleep and wake up in different places. Oh. No. All of the psychi- psychiatric evaluations for all all of the kids were basically the same and that this, sorry, the conclusion was that they were influenced by their mother's delusions that the family was exposed to paranormal experiences. So even the psyche valves are like, these kids aren't possessed. Like that's not real. Like they like fucked up. So fucked up and making this mother seem so crazy. And that is so delusional. Hmm. I know. I can't even get into it. Keep so, going. yeah, you'll be pissed off at this. So in order to connect with their families again, DCS told the kids, do not discuss demons at court. Do not talk about being possessed. You will take responsibility for your actions if you want your family to be together again. Basically saying, like, apologize lie. and lie. Say you're you're a crazy kid. <sighs> what the fuck? Okay. Okay. I'm just going to let you keep going okay? because I can't get on the tangent. Just keep going. Before regaining custody, LaToya had to find a job in appropriate housing since hers contained, quote, paranormal activity. That's how DCS put it to her. Well, if yours is so haunted, then you're going to need to find a new house if you want your kids. Just like, like, give you don't need to be fucking with a like a possessed bitch like that. No, you want to fuck with someone, pick anybody that's not possessed. Because guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to get murdered. You're going to get slain. Just wait. (laughs) Um, There were more investigations at the house with the Gary Police Department and DCS with very strange phenomena happening at each, all unexplainable and all listed in those private 600 page of reports or whatever on this family. Right. Sorry. Excuse me. The police asked Bishop Dale Melzek. Sorry, Marley. To perform an exorcism on the Ammons. So the police reach out to a bishop and said, perform an... Like, this is where the story is just, like, doesn't line up to me. Like, DCS won't give you your kids back, but the... And, like, the court's going so crazy, but you have police saying, like, can you give this family an exorcism? The police is like, hi, um, we can no longer do checks over here because we're scared. Because we're scared. So do you mind... Right. The first exorcism, two police officers and the DCS case manager attended. Um, The DCS worker said during which she had chills the entire two hours of it, but she wouldn't go as far as saying that it was demonic. Oh, I just I had chills. I had chills, chills, but like it wasn't it wasn't demonic. I was scared out of my fucking mind, but it wasn't demonic. That backfired because a week after visiting the house, she received third degree burns on her motorcycle. (sighs) Within a month, she broke three ribs jet skiing. She broke her hand when she hit the table and she broke an ankle walking in flip flops. Yeah. Yeah. So this case like these at this point, I'm assuming the spirits are 
pissed that this woman took these kids away from them. Right. Yeah, because they're they're not being able to feed off them anymore because they're out of the house. Right. So they fucked her up. Yeah, they did. You're like, girl, like, you you still don't believe? Like, I will break every bone in your body. Hit the table, bitch. Hit it once. Hit it. I bet you'll break your You lost at Uno? Hit the table. Hit the table, bitch. (laughs) Okay, seriously, though. You need to open up that wine bottle? Let's not egg these spirits on. Oh, we're kind of on their side right now. I know. (laughs) The bishop performed a total of three exorcisms on the family, two in English and the last one in Latin at his church in June. Um, Between the second and the third one, LaToya and her mother had moved to Indianapolis except to return back for the exorcisms in the court hearings because the kids were still in custody of DCS. Right. Um, She finally regains custody of her three children in November of 2012. The children felt safe at their new home and they left their past behind them at the house on Carolina Street. The landlord of the property said that he had no issues like this before the Ammons family arrived and after they left. And he actually reached out to police because once this story went public, his tenant that lived there kept calling him and saying people are driving past the house all the time. Well, she shortly moved out after. Um, pretty soon, because in 2014, Zach Baggins purchased the house. Yeah, he did. Yes, I know he did. He did. For a whopping $35,000. Oh, Don't tell me that you have never had an issue with paranormal activity <laughs> And then sell the house for 35 grand. Do you like, hi, uh, please take this off my hands. Literally. <laughs> Actually, I'll pay you. I'll pay 35 you 35 grand to take grand it. To take it. Zach and Baggins. then also people in the town or whatever it was said that, oh, I've heard about that exactly. house. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So this landlord was full of shit. He was full of shit. Um, Zach Baggins then filmed a documentary in it titled The Demon House. So right. go check that out. And currently it's gone. Zach Baggins tore down the house in January of 2016 because the presence of evil was just too fucking strong. Oh, my God. And that is the story of the Ammons family. That was insane. That That was amazing. That was a good one. Yeah, it was insane. That was a chilly one. I feel bad for that family. I do, too. But no, this mother, like, guys, she has interviews. She tells the whole story from her perspective. The grandmother... Tell us a story. Like, go check him out. Check out the documentary. Yeah, go I heard, really do check I heard out. that the documentary he did on it was more of like a um, documentary remake mm-hmm. of this family. Okay. So he like reenacts everything. Right. For, it's like that a movie. Yeah. yeah. Guys, first off, there's a whole lot to be said about the way that they were questioning her ability to be a parent. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there, I think I actually watched a... Um, not a documentary, I guess it was just because it happens all the time. Any any kind of case like this, like yes. they're like, I don't know. I mean, I can't separate church and state. Well, and especially with women of color, absolutely. And that's what really bothers me the most about this entire thing is like they were so ready and willing to be like, oh, single mom that lives with grandma with three kids we need to say and that they, she's unfit to be a mother they, that's not fucking I didn't, cool i didn't add this in here but during all the court process process um and all the hearings they went as far back as to 2009 and they were like your children missed these days of school and they said like this past year your children didn't go to school a lot like you're not giving them a good environment and she she said in court she was like my children didn't sleep at They're night. possessed. They couldn't go to sleep and they would get sick. These demons would make them sick at school 
and they would have to, I'd have to go pick them up. I'd have to leave work and go pick them up. So yes, some days my kids didn't go to school because they couldn't. And like they, you know, like and they, then I'm leaving they found, work. They found every little thing they could to pinpoint on her that she was just a bad mom. And then the, the psychiatric hospital or whatever it was that was saying like, oh, like you don't even know this woman. You like, didn't even meet her. You, you have no kids. idea about who these people are. Right. Exactly. Like, no, that's not cool. And yeah. that there needs to be more said about that whole situation than there needs to be said about the fact that they, the whole church and state, like, no, mm-hmm. that was, that was just a racist like system. Absolutely. And that, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. It was fucked up. Yeah. But hell of great ex- story, a hell of an experience that this family went through. Right. Love. And I'm sad that I'm sorry that you guys went through yeah. this experiment experience, not experiment. <laughs> But um, you lived in a portal. You lived in a, a Zach ba- something a that was so house. bad that, that Zach Baggins tore it down. Right. Nope, not cool. Maybe. Exactly. Add time. Add time. The thing that I hate every morning is doing my mascara. I can live without foundation and lipstick. Thank you, Mouse, for that. When I don't have anything on my lashes, I look dead. The thing that makes my morning smoother and my routine faster is having my lash extensions done. Getting them done is no burden, as it is the true beauty sleep that when you wake up from your nap, you feel like a million bucks and hotter than Kim K herself. That's my girl. Lash extensions are new to Knoxville, but not new to the beauty world. Asia K Salon has been in business over eight plus years with nine plus advanced lash courses, allowing them to give you the ultimate best lash experience possible. And let me tell you, their lash beds are comfortable. If you mention our names and that you heard us talk about them on our most recent podcast, when you make your next appointment, you will receive 44% off. You can find them on Facebook and on Instagram at HK Salon and their website, hksalon.com. Happy lashing. Okay, everybody. Um, what do you got for me? For us. So I'll include the, everyone. Yes. Hi, everybody. I have something for you. And this is going to be a little... Um, so originally for May, what I wanted to do is do like all missing uh, persons cases that were typically unsolved. Um, but Missing then, May. Yeah, missing May. Missing in May. And um, I just couldn't... Not something to trend about. No. <laughs> I just couldn't uh, get past this one case that came up on my for you page and then i remembered the entire story and i went and i listened to a few podcasts about it watched a few documentaries about it and i just figured this would be in perfect timing for memorial day so for those in the u.s we um are celebrating memorial day next monday not this upcoming monday but the next monday it's um may 31st And what Memorial Day is, is it's basically to honor the men and women who have served our country and died while doing so. So this is our um, tribute to Memorial Day coming up. And we just wanted to take a little moment of silence to remember those who have died while serving our country. So thank you guys for taking that moment with us. And also thank you so much to those who have served our country. Right. We really appreciate you. And I'm going to get started with the story. Um, But before I dive straight into it, I just kind of want to give a little bit of a trigger warning. So for anybody um, 
that sexual harassment and um, military background, if the, if PTSD, something like that, like please just be aware of. Um, I'm going to be talking about very sensitive. Uh, things throughout this entire case. And I did as much research as I possibly could. And I've watched tons of videos on how I can still stay um, in a good, respectful range when speaking about these topics. So just bear with me and feel free at any point if I mess up anything to please educate me on um, what I'm saying that is wrong or incorrect. So the case I have is the true crime conspiracy of Fort Hood, Texas. Oh, yeah. So I my sources, about this. Yeah. So my sources are Wikipedia, Stripes.com, Army Times, CBS News, New York Times, The Guardian, CN- CNN, ABC 2020 documentary, I Am Vanessa, U.S. Army databases, ABC News, Crime Junkie podcast, Fox 23 News, Red Tabletops Talk, People.com, FBI databases, and Reddit. FBI. Yeah. U.S. Army databases. We're in deep here. Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. In the afternoon of April 22nd, 2020, Myra Guillen was trying to get a hold of her sister, Vanessa, for their daily chats. She began to notice that her iMessages were not showing as delivered. So she started calling her sister and she called her like a few times and it just kept going straight to voicemail. There was no change. Typically, you'd think like, okay, maybe their phone died, maybe they're in a meeting, maybe they're busy, you know, whatever. But this was not like Vanessa. Her phone was always charged and always on her. And if she couldn't answer, she would send a quick text saying, can't talk. Or if she was going to go into a meeting, she'd be like, hey, I'm about to go into a meeting. So red flag. Yeah, red flag. And frankly, which we're going to hear, we're going to understand why later, Myra has every reason to be freaking out. In a last-ditch attempt to calm her nerves, she calls Vanessa's fiancé, Juan, to ask how their daily standing lunch call went earlier that day. Did did Vanessa mention any plans that she had that she wouldn't be able to answer? Just, like, kind of trying to get the tea, you know, Mm -hmm. just, like, trying not to worry him, but just being like, how did your call go? To only find out Vanessa never called. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Number two. So now let me introduce you to Vanessa again. So Vanessa was born in Houston, Texas on September 30th, 1999, making her 20 years old. Her parents were immigrants from Mexico and she had five siblings. She graduated high school in 2018 in the top 15% of her class. And in June of 2018, following her high school graduation, she joined the army. Go, girl. At the time of um, April 22nd, 2020, she had been living and working at the Fort Hood military base outside of Austin, Texas, where she was a private first class. So let's go back to the story where we left off. Sister, family, fiance, freaking out and worried about Vanessa. Later that evening, the Guillen family was cleaning up after dinner when their phone rang. It was from Fort Hood. So they immediately pick up the phone, expecting to hear Vanessa's voice on the other side to only have their biggest fears confirmed. On the other line was 3rd Cavalry leadership from Fort Hood base asking if the family had seen or heard from Vanessa because she missed her 4 p.m. check-in time. After getting the bare mineral information from Vanessa's colleagues, at around midnight, after worrying themselves to death, Myra, her older sister, 
jumps in her car and drives the three hours to Fort Hood to find her sister. Hell yeah. Early the next morning, Myra meets with the base director to find out that uh, Vanessa's wallet, ID, credit cards, and keys had been found in the armory room where she had been working earlier that day. So after this meetup on April 23rd with Vanessa's sister, leaders did a unit area search and a barrack suite before reporting the 20-year-old Vanessa Gian missing to local law enforcement and the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command, or CID. It wasn't until 48 hours after Vanessa went missing on April 21st, I'm sorry, 24th, that the military police officially reported a be on the lookout order or a bolo um, to other police in the area and on the base. And then it took them until April 25th, so 72 hours after her disappearance, to run the first media report looking for the public's help locating her. What are you waiting on? You have... What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Her, literally, these people her are shit ru- is all left behind. Right. And these people are our routine. They know they can't miss. Mm-hmm. They're taught to be there on time. That's all their basic is. So what? Right. And then also, okay, just a little side note. Obviously, I'm not in the military. I don't yeah, have any military background. Me neither. Background. Me neither. So, but I'm over here thinking... This is the military. Right. You don't have CCTV footage everywhere? Right. A mall has more CCTV footage than you, question mark? Exactly. Okay. So, anyways, there's just no trace of her. She's gone, okay? And at the same time that all this is going on and they're taking forever to report shit to, you know, whatever... The entire Guillen family and friends are putting up missing persons posters all over Fort Hood and surrounding towns. They even put up billboards on every single road that led into Fort Hood, and they were blowing social media up. The CID begins walking through Vanessa's day on the 22nd, getting reports from who was with her on that day or just like cross paths with her. And what they find out is that Vanessa was called into work that day. She wasn't scheduled to work. It was her day off. She entered her workspace at 10.03 a.m. And at 10.15 a.m., she got a request to confirm a serial number on equipment or weapons. However, this specific weapon or equipment was in the next armory room over. So she goes there. And it was at 10.23 a.m. that Vanessa messaged the information requested to her supervisor. So basically, we know that she got the request to go get it. She went and got it and then reported the serial numbers and the information and faxed it all over to her supervisor. Okay. And this is all before 10.30 a.m. Luckily, there was another person in that second arms room. So now we have an eyewitness that saw her that day. That person was specialist Aaron David Robinson. So the CID interviewed him, and Robinson said that she came into the room, requested serial numbers to which he gave her the paperwork and information that she needed. She then left to finish filing the request and report it to her supervisor. After this, Vanessa was spotted by two individuals outside who were taking a smoke break, and they watched her as she walked across the parking lot of her unit. And this was officially the last time that anybody ever saw Vanessa. So really, there are only two explanations that the CID can like conjure from the like minimum information that they have, okay? One, she walked away from everything and left it all. Basically, like wanted to get out of the military and leave her family and life behind. Uh-huh. 
Unlikely. But how does that happen when you don't have your ID, when you don't have any money on you, when you don't even have the key to your place to go get your shit? Like, how does that work, you know? Number two, she was kidnapped. But who would want to hurt her? What would the motive be? Don't you think we want to notice if someone kidnapped her on and an it's, army it's, base? Right. That's what I was just about to say. It's pretty right. secure. So how right. did they get in there? Like who would be able to come and, you know, whatever. Besides someone that's already there. Yeah. But even though this was the best explanations they had, they couldn't make sense of it. They were at a standstill. And even though, I'm sorry. And they even brought in special trained scent dogs and her trail just ends without a trace in the parking lot. Like it literally just disappears. It's like she like was sucked into like a black hole. Like it's mm-hmm. just is gone. Well, what do we know about tracking someone down? Their technology trail is going to be way more reliable and probably a little longer. While this is going on, there are massive search parties that are looking for Vanessa with all types of law enforcement, military, local, federal, like everything that you can think of. Okay. And there's hundreds and hundreds of volunteers. However, there are no leads, no breaks, and no discoveries, nothing physical. And then they get the phone records back. You're the military. How does it take that long? I don't, I'm not, I'm like not comprehending. Phone records don't make sense to me. No. In general. So is, I guess it's because it's owned by private companies. Who cares? But like, you're the military. Right. You literally are the military. Get that shit in a second if you want. Right. This is like, okay, whatever. That's a whole nother rant. We can go on that another day. So what they find on Vanessa's phone records is that the last text message she sent wasn't to her supervisor. It was to specialist Aaron David Robinson, the man from the second armory room. So they pull Robinson and they ask, you know, they pull him in for questioning. And this is the second time he's been in for questioning. The first time was because he was the last person to see her. Second time is because he's the last person to talk to her. Robinson said that he finished his shift that day. Like the conversation was about, um... He the, didn't mention it before. The like, serial oh, information. No, he didn't mention it. And basically he said, like, I just thought it, it happened while she, like, came to me. She, like, thanked him for, like, giving the information that she needed and then left. And so he was like, I just didn't even think about that because it was such a small little thing. Right. So they're like, um, okay, like, hey, like, we just need to know what you were doing that day. Where were you? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, I finished my shift earlier that day, left the base to go to my girlfriend's house, which is off base. And then he left the house only that evening one time to go enroll in some training back at the base before returning back to her house. So basically, he drove from the base to her house, from her house to the base and back, okay? Well, like I said, At the same time, there's tons of ground, air, and technology tracing searches going on by the military law enforcement and local law enforcement. So they're doing a lot of legwork and going like at a good pace at furthering the investigation, okay? Except for they're forgetting the most important and crucial part. They're not keeping the family informed at all. In fact, they're acting like she has no family. So in addition to like participating in planning the searches, um, painting the towns and social media with Vanessa's story and face the family and many supporters had began protesting at the base every single Friday until they got answers. As they should. Right. Exactly. 
Well, on May 19th, Robinson gets name gets brought up again. So now this is the third time that we're hearing this dude's name. Okay. And this time it was because two witnesses said that they watched as he pulled an extremely heavy, tough box across the parking lot from the arms room that he had worked in earlier that day, put it in the back of his car and then drove away. So a tough box is those heavy duty like storage bins that has like, you know, they're black with the yellow lids and they have Mm -hmm. wheels on them. Yeah. That's what a tough box is. So they bring him in for questioning for the third time and he's happy to help. But obviously he's like pretty irritated because he's like, hey, it was just a normal work day. I've given you all the information. I'm being completely open with you guys. In fact, I'm just going to give you my phone records. You can have all my phone records. It takes two days, like barely even that to get them whenever he's like, literally, you can search through my entire phone. So they're like, okay, thank you. Whatever they requested these um phone records. Well, now it's June 3rd and the Gian family is still in the dark and they're extremely angry. So they release something to the media that completely changes this entire case. Vanessa had been sexually harassed by someone who outranked her on the base of Fort Hood. She confided in her sister and her mother, saying that she was too afraid to report the incident in fear of what might happen to her. Her mom said, you need to report this so it doesn't happen to other women. And she's like, I don't think you understand. Something bad will happen to me. Vanessa said that one day a superior came into the room while she was showering and forced forced her to let him watch her. That's sick. And then another superior spoke to her using vulgar, unwarranted language about trigger warning, um, about what he would like to do to her in a threesome. What the fuck fuck do y'all think you're getting away with? They think they can get away with anything. Are you kidding me? So once this information was released in the media, they didn't even like, they didn't even fuck around. They're like, they don't want to talk to us, then we can't give them all the information. So we're just going to go straight to the media because they're not talking to us. So they go to the media and this is when, I don't know if you remember, I know you do, in quarantine, we watched this entire case unfold around the U.S. with the hashtag, I am Vanessa Guillen. This movement is where other women in the military told their stories of being sexually harassed and assaulted, but unable to report it due to what would happen to due to the fear of what would happen to them if they did. I have chills all over my body. Sick. I have chills all over my body. So on June 19th, Sicily or Sicilia? No, it's Sicily. Sicily. Okay. And Aguilera who was Robinson's girlfriend was brought in for questioning um, to confirm his alibi in his movements that night, which she does. She said that he picked her up from work and they, they just went home and hung out all night. Okay. So next thing that happens. Okay. We're moving past that. Two days later on June 21st, investigators receive an alarming report of the discovery of human remains in a field only four miles away from Fort Hood. Four miles. Four miles. However, this was not the remains of Vanessa. 
It was the remains of a 23-year-old named Gregory Morales, who is a soldier that went missing from Fort Hood in August of 2019. His cause of death was undetermined and the investigation is still ongoing. However, it is confirmed that there was foul play. After his disappearance, he was declared AWOL due to the lack of evidence in the case. However, they just declare everyone AWOL? Yeah. It's it's a trend. It'll come back. So, however, his mother, Kim, was like, no. He, no. Absolutely not. He was literally weeks away from being discharged from the military. Like his, his his like time was up. He had served his allotment of years, okay? And he had just bought a new truck. And he had a job lined up that he was going to take literally the week after he was discharged from the military. Yeah, sounds like someone who'd go AWOL. Exactly. So his mother was like, no. And she continued to fight super hard and search for her son. Eerily enough, his disappearance was a lot like Vanessa's. So he had gone out drinking with a few of his buddies one night, and then he was just never seen again. He fell off the face of the earth. There was no tracking that they could do for him. He was just gone. It was crazy. It was just a cold trail. So his mother is like, okay, listen to the CID. Post a reward for information or spottings or whatever, whatever we can do to just get like his name out there. Okay. Right. With some interest. However, they didn't, they like didn't respond to her emails and didn't answer her calls. They never posted a reward. It wasn't until they posted a reward for Vanessa that they actually followed through with this request. So I think what happened is they were like, okay, there's a lot of similarities in these cases. Like we need to bring this up, you know? Well, from the day one, CID wanted to declare him as a deserter, okay? So they didn't even try. In fact, his family had to do more and more digging. Nine months after his disappearance, his mother found his truck for sale online in May of 2020, okay? So she calls the CID and she's like, oh my God, I have a lead, like blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh yeah, we located his truck five months ago. Just never told her. What? Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything about it and they didn't tell anyone. His family's his family lost all military benefits and he was stripped of his ranking because he was declared a deserter and declared AWOL. It's fucked up. So they literally took his ranking, took everything that he had done for the military and just acted like it never happened. Took his p family's insurance away, everything. What the fuck yeah. is going on? So, there? yeah. Literally, it's basically like when I was fired with cause and they just strip everything from you that moment. Right. That's what they did to him. But even worse, he was serving our country and they stripped him of his title. Like, and they fucked everyone. That makes me crazy. That, that was helping. Yeah. Well, as all this is unfolding, the same day, so June 21st, Investigators find some really interesting shit on Sergeant Robinson's phone. You know how he and his girlfriend claimed that they were home all night after being picked up from work? Well, at approximately 2 a.m., he and Cecilia's, what did I call her name again? Cecily's. Cecily. Okay. Their phones were pinging off of a tower 20 miles away in Belton, Texas. 
immediately they move the entire, so the CID moves the entire search to this area because they're like, okay, this is the first lead in forever. Like, what do we have to lose? You know, after two days of intense searching, they discover a burnt lid of a black box, Mm -hmm. whatever it's called. One of the tough boxes, bitch. They searched through the entire burn pit where they found this. They searched the entire area, everything. But there was nothing. Dogs did not pick up on a scent up for Vanessa. There was literally nothing. So in on June 30th at 1 p.m., this entire case finally like blooms. A contractor was building a fence along the Leon River, which is roughly like a mile away from this burn pit that they found. And he and his workers began to smell something that they called the smell of death. Oh, God. Without a question, they called the police. Immediately, they knew what they had found. Dismembered human remains encased in concrete in three shallow graves. Oh, my God. Though they could not ID the body immediately due to the complexity of the discovery and how the body was dismembered and literally trapped in concrete, they knew it was Vanessa because they could see her locks of hair hanging out of the concrete piles. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, obviously, investigators were pretty, like, sure about who did this. They're like, right. Yeah, you have hmm. them a mile away. Right. That the night the last Sergeant Robinson, dude, you're fucked. Right. right. But instead of going to Robinson first, they go to Sicily. Okay. Or Cecilia. I can never remember her name. Okay. Sorry, Marley. <laughs> um, and they're like, which it doesn't really fucking matter what her name is. And you'll understand why here in a minute. So they're like, so it's like really weird. It shows that you and Aaron's phone was not at home all night. And actually shows that at 2 a.m. you were 20 miles away from your house. And um, you told me that you were home all night. What's up with that? And she's like, oh, 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 yeah. I totally forgot about this. We do this. Oh, on- I forgot. Yeah. I forgot. She's like, um, Slip my mind. we do this on nights that we can't sleep. We do um, star stargazing drives out in the country. <laughs> yeah. Just. You know. In burn pits. Yeah. With things Blah, blah, from. blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, damn, that's crazy because uh, we found the fucking body of Vanessa Guillen a mile away from where your phone pinged. And in that moment, this bitch breaks down and tells the entire truth. She says Robinson picked her up from the gas station where she was a clerk at around midnight on the night of April 22nd. And drove her out to the Leon River, saying that they were going stargazing. It was when he they got there that Robinson tells her that he had brutally murdered Vanessa by repeatedly hitting her with a hammer oh in God. the armory room. Oh shit! Mm-hmm. When On she came base. in to get the serial serial numbers. Before shoving her body into the tough box, putting it in his car, and then. picking her up and driving out to the middle of nowhere. He then opens a trunk and pops the lid of the tough box to show his girlfriend the slandered body of Vanessa. 
After this, he talks her into helping him dismember the body and u- by using a machete to chop her up. Oh, my God. They then tried to burn her body. However, it just was not burning. So they dug three graves and left. Three days after this, the couple returned in this to the scene in basically like hazmat suits to ensure that their DNA would not be left at the scene. They dismembered the body more before deciding to just use cement to fill in the shallow graves. After this confession, Cicely allows police to wiretap her phone. Not long after this interview, Robinson calls her and and he says, quote, baby, they found pieces. After this, the CID brought Robinson in for questioning because they claimed that they didn't have enough evidence to arrest him. Mm-hmm. Really? As he's, he being, as he's in the interrogation everything. room, okay, investigators step out and there's like a guard in there with him. He jumps up, runs past the guard, out the front door, into his car and drives away. What? Yeah. So this big motherfucking guard who works for the military, who's a guard for the military, let this little fucker run past him. (laughs) Wait. Yeah. I don't mean to laugh, but also what? Exactly. So investigators immediately released an alert for his car to law enforcement in the surrounding areas, and they find him. They pull him over to detain him when he pulls a gun on them. He then turns the gun around on himself and kills himself. At the scene. Holy shit. Yeah, you, say you're guilty without telling me you're guilty. Right. Like, seriously. What? So, at this point, Cicely was arrested and charged with her role in the murder and faces 20 years in prison. But what was the motive? What, Like, what yeah, snapped? Why? Like, what snapped? What happened? If I was that girl, I would have been like, why did you do that? Like, what's wrong with you? Right. Like, wh- like was that not your first rodeo? Like, why did you not ask questions? What was the deal here? Whatever. Robinson was the sergeant that sexually harassed Vanessa. Makes fucking sense. And it appears that that day that she was killed, she was planning on reporting it to her higher-ups. Want to know something else that's crazy? Mm -hmm. In 2020 alone, 16 soldiers have died at Fort Hood, and dozens more have been reported missing or AWOL. Yeah, AWOL, my fucking ass. You can look up all of these cases. I'm just going to read off a few. Please, please do not come at me for my pronunciation skills. You know that they're shit. Um, but we have 26-year-old um, Mior Morda, uh, 24-year-old Scott Morales, Francisco Gil- Gilberto um, Hernandez Vargas, Elder F- Fernandez, Cole Jacob Aiton, um, Brandon Scott Rosecrans, Freddie Delacruz Jr., Christopher Wayne Sawyer, Shelby Tyler Jones, and many more. Again, I apologize for any m- mispronunciations. Um, and guys, I- I'm gonna come back to that in just one second, but I want to continue on for just a little bit. Um, on July 1st, 2020, Vanessa was advanced from private first class to the rank of a specialist from her hours she spent serving her country on June. I mean, I'm sorry, July 20th, 2020. By the way, this is all happening around my wedding and I feel like such a fucking dumbass, you know, like Mm -hmm. 
you know, you just feel like there's so much more we could have been doing other than just being dumbasses walking around, you know. On July 20th, uh, 2020, the Secretary of Army, Ryan D. McCarthy, announced that he would order a full independent review of Vanessa's case. On July 30th, 2020, Vanessa's family met with former President Donald Trump regarding her murder and to convince the family um, that basically a full independent review was happening. They literally had to get the president to come down here to be like, hey, can you... That would also been okay, Mr. Donald Trump. Um, there's a serial killer. Here. Yeah, like this obviously isn't the only your guy. base is getting people murdered. So do something about it. Um, on December eighth, twenty twenty, McCarthy announced that as a result of the investigation, they would be disciplining fourteen U.S. commanders and other leaders at Fort Hood as a direct result to the leadership failures um, that led to the death of all these individuals, specifically Vanessa. On April nineteenth, twenty twenty one, so just literally a few weeks ago, basically, right. Lieutenant General Robert P. White, commander um, of Fort Hood. Uh, unveiled that one of the gates, uh, which one of the 27 gates at Grant Entry to Fort Hood would be renamed the Vanessa Guillen Gate uh, with a plaque in her honor. And the gate would also be the main point of entry to the 3rd Cavalry Regiment, which was hers, um, where Guillen worked in the arms room as a small arms repair and where she was murdered. And now the military... You let a murder happen on your base. Yeah, well, I'm about to come back to this. So now the military has a third party that investigates all sexual harassment and assault claims in honor of Vanessa. And it's um, under the I think it's I don't know if it's a law or a bill. Um, that's the hashtag. I am Vanessa Guillen. And Reddit has a lot of stories and crazy information about Fort Hood that I just don't feel comfortable speaking about publicly on our podcast just for our safety. Um, but I do encourage you all to go take a little look-see into the stories that are on there. But one thing I want to bring up is, okay, first, um, how does he run past? Right. Do you think he was like given a, hey, you better get the fuck out of here? Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think they won. They knew it, from, it was him from the beginning. Right. Oh, they absolutely did. You had those phone records. You couldn't, you didn't. She was murdered in the arms room. Right. No And they DNA, retraced her no. steps. There was no blood anywhere. No one reported. This is like an off, like, I mean, I don't know like the layout of it, but you I'm assuming. If you had cameras, if you had cameras. No one's hearing her someone in, screaming. see her coming out. Right. Like, why isn't there cameras at every inch of this military base? It's a military base. Like, well, I mean, is that even a question? Like, we can't just waltz in there. No. And so you need to, uh, that just makes me sick because, like, you send these people off to basic training and mm-hmm. they have no phone. They have right. no, if they're good, they get a five minute phone call. If they're good, they get rewarded to talking with family. This shit could be happening or uh, not could. This shit is happening. Mm-hmm. And no one, I mean, I know this wasn't basic, but like, no one has any means to, Contact, contact other people. The outside. Literally, and, the outside. And like, what? And they go through your letters. Do you, you write I'm something, just, they rip that shit up, and they'll never send it. I'm just like not understanding. Like, what do you mean? She was murdered on base. Right. And no one heard, saw, cleaned up blood. Like, that had to be a lot of blood. She was bludgeoned with a hammer. 
This isn't a like splatter. She, That's a splatter. everywhere, like screaming, fighting. She hell, she was in the military. Right. She was a, a U.S. Army soldier, and you're telling me she's not fighting back? No fucking way. I'm right. I'm a piece of shit, and, and I'm not fighting back. I'm fighting back. Bruises on him, right? Cuts. Like scratch, like what? Did you check his fingernails? Did you check exactly? Anything? And then I wonder, like, I wonder who else she told about right what happened. Well, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not the only man. Right. There. And then you have all these other disappearances. Oh, Fort Hood is like, the, if it's not the number one, it's in the top five U.S. military bases that have the like highest numbers of people dying in general. And this is something that is like, to me, really close because I have a really good friend um, that just mysteriously died while he was at basic. Yeah. And the the family was given no information about it. Like, and they just hit it all up and it, there's a lot more to it. Like people are other people that we know in the military were like, no, that's not the story I heard. Yeah. You know? So like, anyways, I don't know why I feel so uneasy. Like even talking about the conspiracy side of it. Well, I I know exactly why I feel uneasy about it, but, you know, like, hey, thank you so much for what you do for our country, but, like, watch out for yourself. Like, Yeah, seriously. Women especially, like, you're not, you're not safe, and that sucks to say that, like. Right, especially if you're a minority, too. Right, especially if you're a minority. Like, we, we need to be, like, women, like, you need to empower each other in the military. You need to take care of each other. You can't look at it as competition. Like, I mean, this is women all over, but, you know, like, these are women that are serving our country and, you know, doing things that we're not doing, you know, like, mm-hmm. we're just living off this freedom and they're get giving it to us, you know? Right. So, I don't know. Just be safe. Be safe and be careful. And please just, like, do them some justice by just like reading about them and talking about their stories and educating other people in your communities about like what might happen to you, you know? And that is the case of Fort Hood. The case is is of Fort Hood. That is tough. Yeah. Oh, (sighs) thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. (laughs) Very heavy episode. Um, Go ahead and dive into Reddit. Yeah, go guest. ahead. And, guys, it's very, it, it gets dark. There's like stories of people that live nearby that had family members that were there, some people that were there themselves under like hidden names. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is just type in what the fuck's going on at Fort Hood and It'll thousands and thousands of stories pop up. It's yeah. crazy. That's insane. Oh, yep. makes me sick to my stomach. Yep. Uh, anyways, that's it. Oh, that's all I have. No TFUs. No really? TFUs. We'll be more fun next week. Yeah, we'll do a really easy going fun fun stories. episode. Yeah, It'll, we just we like owe that to you guys. We kind of yeah. like fucked you guys up the past few episodes. Yeah, that's our bad. But sorry. Mm-hmm. All, All right. right. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Follow us on everything. You already know the drill. If you want the names, check out the beginning of the episode. Oh, 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 oh guys, oh, we oh. got a few new uh, reviews. What? Yeah, we got a few new reviews. And I love them. They're awesome. And they're from two of our besties. Uh, And guys, if you don't already, please, on Apple Podcasts, go 
rate us, leave us a review. We're really, really trying to get to 100 um, ratings by the end of the year and at least 50 reviews just so people know to listen to us because we think we're funny and we love you guys and we want more of you guys to listen to us. So... First, we have one from Nikki O'Brien. <laughs> I'm reading it right now. Bad bitches! Exclamation in the eye. <laughs> I forgot I did this. Oh, we were a little wine drunk when it happened. Uh, it says, "If you don't listen to this podcast, what are you doing? The energy and creativity that Taylor and Morgan bring to each episode is incredible. They feed of she meant off <laughs> each other. They feed on each other." <laughs> Cannibals. Uh, so well and whatever I whenever I get to tune in live, it makes my night. Love these creepy crimey girls. XOXOXO. Are you enjoying your night? Yeah. She's like tarring the fan on. Taylor's like, you have a fleece blanket and a velvet comforter on top of you. She's like, I enjoy my night. <laughs> you wanna read the next one? Yes. This one says best podcast ever. One thousand Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> um, it says finally all cut up on all episodes. Y'all are killing it. Mom was listening with me and she and said she loves the way y'all are covering these. My fake people, heart, heart, heart. From it's the best bay in New York City, five star Evie. Evie, thank you, Evie. We I love, love you, you so much, and thank you um, to all of our to her um, sorority sis Yay. mom. Yeah, LITB bitches. All right. <clears throat> I almost said the whole thing. No. (laughs) All right. All right. That's it. And bye. Have a good night. See you guys next week for a fun, crazy 35. 35. Sexy. Fun. Yeah. Yeah.